In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. The apostles heard this message loud and clear and understood that their mission was not simply to promote Jesus. Their mission was more than simply speaking truthfully about him, but their mission was to be faithful followers and instruments of his grace in the world. Mother Teresa, whenever she would meet a priest, not every time, but so many times she met a priest, she would simply say to him, get out of the way of grace. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you are holy, you will pose no obstacle to God's grace. You will do God's will willingly and happily. And internally, you will, you will put up no obstacle to what God is trying to accomplish. That's the mission of the church. At the end of this month, Bishop Burbage will be here to confirm our eighth graders. And as much as the familiar phrases of becoming an adult in the church or becoming a soldier of Christ can be helpful if we know what they mean, they're meaningless unless we know what the mission of the church is. The mission of the church is to save souls, is to be holy, is to be sanctified by God and to sanctify the world. Once confirmed, these young people, if old enough, will be able to be godparents, confirmation sponsors, be married, to be ordained, to become religious. Those five things have something very simple and beautiful in common. It involves making a public promise to help someone else get to heaven. A public declaration that I'm willing to be judged on how I help that person in their salvation. Quite a a responsibility. That is prepared and preceded by a sacrament, which first sanctifies you who receive that sacrament of confirmation. And then are meant not to simply be holy and therefore attractive, but the ultimate purpose of receiving that sacrament in confirmation, is for that grace to be powerful in somebody else, to sanctify somebody else. Think of the apostles at Pentecost. And we know it is impossible to convey the faith to others unless we actually live it. The old Latin phrase, non dat quod non habit, nemo dat quod non habit. Nobody gives what he doesn't have. Years ago, actually, I have to admit, it's probably decades ago now, perhaps when I was driving back and forth to college, or maybe in some years after that, still heading west on occasion, 
if you ever are on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and you go through Breezewood, right, our favorite town of motels, and you keep on heading west, there's hills and turns and hills and mountains, and then all of a sudden there's a tunnel. I think it's the Allegheny Tunnel as you're headed west towards Somerset and Pittsburgh. I think it was in the 90s that I remember coming, driving west through that tunnel, and just as the tunnel opened up, there was a huge billboard. And the billboard was this enormous image of this beautiful little girl, maybe three, maybe four. Her eyes, brown eyes, wide open. And, and the words were very simple. It, the billboard said, buckle up. She'll do what you do. The apostles got this message so clearly from our Lord and lived it that they were even willing to articulate it. St. Paul said to the Corinthians twice in his letter, be imitators of me. In this first letter to the Thessalonians, from which we read excerpts, there's a little missing piece I'll read to you verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. For you remember our labor and toil, brethren. We work night and day that we might not burden any of you while we preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our behavior to you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And it's in that very same letter to the Thessalonians that he does acknowledge, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. That's no more boastful than it is ridiculous for a parent to say to their children, don't imitate me. It's inevitable that children imitate their parents. Now, if you married someone who's virtuous and beautiful, kind, faithful, you you want nothing more than your children to grow up to be just like your spouse, not like yourself. There's no escaping that they'll, they'll pick up your habits too, your patterns of speech. When they're angry, they will behave the way you do when you're angry. When they're frustrated when they're lied to and betrayed, they will lash out exactly the way you do. St. Paul isn't being boastful when he says, be imitators of me. He's simply stating the fact. This is how the family works. And so we recognize it. We suffer from it. We suffer from the, the, the errant words the misguided actions that have repercussions and repercussions and repercussions. We will see some of those repercussions probably at Thanksgiving and at Christmas when we're all back together again and we're reminded of what we did and what we said way back when. But it also works positively. The month of November started with All Saints Day. And God does not 
love us like a stingy father. He gives us so many people who love us. So many good people around us. So many people worthy of being imitated. Saints in heaven and also saints on earth. And we can choose which example to follow. Just as our Lord warned us about the Pharisees. Believe what they say, but don't do what they do. Be selective in how they influence you. And so we can thank the Lord. As much as he's given us opportunities to to suffer and to offer up penance and to offer up mortification, he's also given us many blessings, many good people, holy friends, future saints and canonized saints. And hopefully if we follow the right examples and imitate the right people, then others will point to us and say, and you see that? You see how that family is at church? Let's be like them. And you see how that dad treats his, treats his kids? You should be like them. Or did you, did you see the executive? Did you see how he corrected that person without embarrassing them? That's, what, that's how we should be. And then, just to blow it all wide open, because we're not here just for a moral lesson. We don't come to church just to be encouraged to behave. God the Father, the creator of the universe, who has created everything out of nothing, doesn't simply want us to be his observant and obedient creatures and servants. He wants us to be his children, his sons and daughters. He wants us to know that we were made already in his image and likeness. And he gives us grace and he brings us together in a church so that we can become perfectly like him. Not just mimicking Christ, but understood well, becoming godlike, becoming more like God. How amazing is that? It explains why we consume him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And why there's something about God that we know is already inside of us. And so be like your Father. Be perfected as your Heavenly Father is perfect. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.